Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, where we talk with business leaders and innovators hungry to drive growth that can be faster than internal organic growth and less risky than acquisition. Your moderator is Bernal Dunkerspuller, Chief Sherpa and CEO at Realign, who has led private equity-owned distributors through turnarounds and growth. With battle-proven leaders from all frontiers, we want to provoke thinking about business growth beyond conventional wisdom and binary choices. Hey, I'm Benno with Tom Claff, CEO of, I'm just going to say a toaster company for right now, because there's uh, lots to unpack with, uh, you know, your, your journey from an English major to a serial tech entrepreneur to toasters. <laughs> so well, welcome to Third Growth Option Podcast, Tom. Thank you, Benno. Uh, pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. So Today you are in your I'm I'm just guessing here you're in your 50s somewhere around there. You describe yourself as a as a passionate entrepreneur who founded, led and sold six technology startups in different sort of unrelated to each other uh, unrelated markets to each other. And you know with great returns to investors and all all of that sounds amazing but when when did you start seeing the pattern of your growth journey. Well, I, I uh, there, the, the commonality, I guess you might say, is the my eye for looking at large markets that do not have much, if any, innovation. And I love technology. You know, just I love it. And if I could identify a problem I could solve where a, a technology or technological solution could disrupt, I could actually uh, you know create a, a niche business, you know, in, in, in that market. And, and there are riches and niches. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look for, um, and, and I'm not, a, I'm not a vertically integrated person. I'm not, I didn't grow up in an industry per se. And I guess it's probably partly due to the, just, you know, I just love to learn. So, you know, being in, in different markets has been interesting to me. It's been an advantage in the sense that, you know, I learned different business models in certain markets that have never been tried in another market. And that's really how, um, you know, how I, how I look at things. So I, I think where, where I was able to repeat the process of disruption and, you know, building a playbook is, is a word of how to, how to go about doing it, where I could bring my entrepreneurial skill sets and pair that with, you know, someone or a team that has subject matter expertise in an industry to define the opportunity. That's really, you know, how we were able to scale what I do. So you love to learn which implies, you know, this process of cross-pollination, right? You're taking, you're taking ideas from one market into the next market, into the third, into the fourth. It also slows us down, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that, you know what? That's a, that's a, actually, that's a much better way to say it than I said it. It's a much more optimistic way to say it. It's painful, you know, I mean, you know, because you, you really have to understand, you, know, you have to be willing to fail a lot to, uh, to learn. And I think that's, that's part of it. Early on where, you know, I was doing this, I was getting my, my head kicked in. But I think it's, it's finding the right opportunity with the right people, uh, with the right timing. And I think, you know, that's the combination. So when you and I f- talked about doing a podcast together, a couple of weeks ago, I asked you to, hey, just, just send me some stuff. I mean, could be background, could be 
ideas, things you're thinking about. And, and, and you sent me a little document, uh, two, three pages, four pages or something, hard lessons that you had have written down, uh, hard lessons, favorite sayings, um, favorite virtues. And, and I was just struck by sort of the level of introspection and self-analysis that that implies. When and why did you start that process of sort of articulating your personal building blocks? Well, it's like, uh, it's like you know, I, I would equate it to, um, you know, in sports where you're watching tape after the game or you're uh, on a mission and you do a debrief after the mission. You want to look at things you did right, things you did wrong, so that you can make the corrections for the next time. And, and I've done that after every one of my ventures. And this document has sort of grown organically, you know, over the years based on, on these ventures. So it's really about, like I, like I paid a tremendous amount of dumb tax. I mean, I, I really have, you know, and, and just, you know, and, and part of it's through experimentation. And, 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 and I believe that all of it, you know, is, is value add. I mean, it, it definitely, uh, you know, helps you grow and helps you, um, you know, in your decision-making in the future based on what you've learned. So this document is really an organic document where I look at from time to time just to, to get level set on what, you know, what I know and, and what I don't know. And uh, it helps me with my next venture or the ventures I'm currently in. First of all, I've never heard the word dumb tax and, and, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but it it implies you know writing down hard lessons and you know this level of self analysis it it just implies a, a humility and a willingness to just face yourself and and the world you know the way it is with you know warts and and all right absolutely you know it, it's you know I, I you know like I grew up in sports and I, my favorite sport was baseball. I played it. And uh, you realize in baseball that, you know, you fail. I mean, if you're good, you fail 70% of the time. And, you know, it's a, it's a game built on failure, but it's a beautiful game and it's, and it's a thinking person's game. And the, the idea around, you know, putting yourself in certain situations to score runs, how do you score runs, hitting singles, doubles, and triples. These are, this is all vernacular in the, in the, you know, the entrepreneurial investment world, taking shots, you know, being able to swing for the fences. I mean, these are things that I grew up learning just innately. And, you know, there's a natural connection with that sport and what I do for a living. So, you know, there's a heck of a lot of failure, but, you know, the failure is really muscle memory that you build when you look at uh, different situations that come up again and again, and then, you know, how do you apply them? Talk to me about some of these hard lessons. Just, you know, you, I mean, you, you wrote down a lot of them. Take, uh, you know, what, what's the first one that comes to mind? Well, I just never, never fall in love with the idea, you know, never fall in love with your business. You know, I think that the purpose really is to, you know, at least from my standpoint is, is to make money you know, to, to provide, you know, incomes to people who work for me, provide returns for investors who invest in me. So, you know, you can have passion, but not have, you know, you know, awestruck love around your business because, you know, there, there are so many competitive forces that could take it away from you. So that's, that's first and foremost, and it really doesn't matter what I think about it. It really matters about what problem I'm solving for my consumer, my customer, 
who believes in the in the brand and the promise and and, and can solve that that problem that they have that, that painful problem they have and and you know is there greater value in that solution than that what they pay for I have to you know always keep that front and center and that's probably the, the grounding lesson for anything I, I build it's just it doesn't really matter what I think it matters what I can what I can you know how I can solve it and deliver value for my consumer who will pay me for it so don't fall in love with your business, but you said you love to learn. So sort of fall in love with the process. Exactly. That's, 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 okay. that's okay. Yeah, the process is, um, is important. It provides structure. It provides accountability. It provides uh, means for scalability and growth. No question about it. What other hard lessons? Well, I, I think what, I, what I've come to appreciate over, the, over time, it's, 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 you know, like I, I never grew up wanting to, to build toasters. I didn't have passion around toast, but I, I, I you know, I do have passion around disruption, but also I, it, it's, it's, I, I appreciate, it's about the people I work with. To me, that's the most important thing. You know, it's, it's the people that I, uh, I partner with, the people that uh, come onto the team and, you know, having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, work shouldn't be a drudgery. I mean, I think that, you know, by accomplishing thing, great things together as a team, you know, we have a shoot for the moon mentality and everybody's sort of in that rocket ship together and we're on a mission. And I love the mission with the people I'm with. I mean, I think that to me is the most important thing about any venture I've started. So I'm torn between asking you to give us a flyover of the six different technology startups and six different markets, just to kind of paint the picture of how crazy Toasters is, as it, or not, not maybe crazy, but it's sort of a non sequitur, <laughs> right? <laughs> but how did you get into being the CEO of RevCook Toasters? What, what is this all about? Well, I, um, I was introduced to my partner through a mutual friend. Uh, this was after my last exit, which was in the auto dealership world, we were building, a friend of mine ran a, a dealer group here in the DC area. And he was having a, I mean, the, the third highest cost in his P&L were loaner cars for his consumers, for his, um, his customers. And so he wanted to lower that cost and they had outsourced to a rental car company. Uh, they wanted to, um, you know, to look at uh, how, do, how, do you, you know, how do you deliver a great experience, save money and um, provide a, a source uh, of you know, or channel for, for their used car business. And really we, we built a system that did that, you know, when we exited that business and, and it was, it was, it was a successful business in the sense that it got out of, you know, we, we launched it out of the dealership. Uh, we got many different dealers to come on board. My partner um, got very sick. So we, you know, we, you know, we were in the middle of a fundraiser. So we did sell the business but before we wanted to sell it, but it was still a very successful business. And then I was introduced to, a, a, you know, my, my now partner who was, you know, is, is, is one of the most remarkable pe- people I've ever met. Bruce, um, you know, 40 years ago when he started his, 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 his first business with his partner, Ed, in the information services business, uh, these guys would bring in bagels every, every Monday for their team. And it was a small team at the point at that time. And, you know, the, the, you know it was a tradition that, 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 that grew and grew and grew, and, and it grew so, so well that he saw every Monday lines forming out of the company kitchen as employees were waiting to toast their bagels. And, you know, he was very frustrated with the, um, the lack of, uh, you know, efficiency and people were just, you know, in the morning, just waiting in line for 40 minutes, waiting for people to toast their bagels. So he was, 
Bill Mullins, everybody he, he, he could find, you know, how can we, you know, we could put a man on the moon, but we can't toast bread faster than, you know, four minutes. And, you know, he didn't want to abandon the tradition because it was very, everybody loved it every Monday. Uh, so they, he would just buy a lot of toasters and circuits would blow and, 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 and the company grew and grew and grew. So, you know, he just wanted to keep it, but he was, you know, every Monday he saw this lost productivity and, you know, it, it became this, this passion of his you know, to solve this problem. That coupled with the fact when he got married, he was one of the, you know, the first, uh, you know, homes to buy one of these Amana radar ranges, these microwave ovens. And he was excited to, to reheat his pizza from the night before. And it, it came out soggy and wet. And so he would, you know, cry out, why does microwave food taste so lousy? So that coupled with, you know, why does it take so long to toast bread became Bruce's passion. And about 12, 13 years ago, he was introduced to an inventor through a, through a friend of his who, you know, just didn't want to hear about the bitching anymore. And uh, <laughs> they created this partnership where they would, you know, go about finding a way to, to accelerate toasting. And that's really how it started. I, I was introduced to Bruce about five years ago. They were trying to get a lot of this uh, this IP and technology out of the, out of the lab. They hadn't gotten it out of the lab in the consumer space, which is really where he wanted it. And I, I was you know, looking for something different. And, and as I mentioned before, I look at large industries with little to no innovation where I can look at technology and, and solve a problem. And this, this checked all the boxes. The difference is that I've always been in the software B2B space. This is a, a, a B2C company. So that was a little bit different. So um, you know, we started on this, this path together, Bruce and I, to figure out what to do with this technology. And, and we realized that you know, it was very hard to license. It was very hard to get to market without building our own brand or our own vessel to take it into the market. And we looked at a company uh, called Dyson as the example, because Dyson really did this, did this journey well before us. James Dyson invented a motor to uh, build a, va- a bagless vacuum cleaner, and he went to license the motor to several of the brands that were in the market, and nobody would take it to market. So he decided to build his own bagless vacuum cleaner, and that's how he launched Dyson. And so we said, well, there's an analog. Uh, so let's do the same thing that Dyson did with uh, with toasters and, all, and now, you know, next year ovens. That's really how we started. So you started the idea or you decided to build your own brand three, four years ago? Yeah, I, I'd say it was in the um, in about 2000, late 2018. Okay. And how did you go about starting did you write a big old business plan did you make some phone calls did you write it on the back of a napkin no no um you know we didn't write a business plan because we didn't even know what we had mm-hmm. the first thing i did is i i i um i wanted to look for an advisor somebody who knew the industry and um could help guide us you know that coupled with the fact that i, I live in the washington dc area and getting into a consumer product durable business in the dc area is really really difficult to do. I mean, you know, Washington is, is, is an area where, you know, they, they build cybersecurity solutions, missiles, and national debt. I mean, that's really what, right. <laughs> what Washington does. They really don't have a, you know, robust consumer products practice. But I did find an engineer to help me figure out how to build this heating element out of Boston. And, uh, you know, we hired him. You know, I found him on LinkedIn and a uh, great guy. And so, you know, he, he started kind of helping us through it. And he realized, well, I, I need more help. And uh, his name's Rich. Rich uh, had a, uh, a contact in Boston who had an engineering consulting services company who did did this stuff. And uh, he introduced me to Phil. And you know, lo and behold, you know, I found myself in Boston where there was a lot more talent that knew how to do this. 
I also needed to find a business advisor to help me figure out, you know, kind of what, what is the strategy around this business? How do we get it to market once we have, have this invention in place? And I found um, through networking up there, a, a gentleman who is our advisor today, uh, his name's John Hariski. John uh, comes out of Keurig. He was the, he launched Keurig's consumer coffee business. And uh, John has been, you know, instrumental in, you know, sort of helping us think through how we build a, a business here that's disruptive and aspirational, like Keurig was, like Dyson was. And um, to me, that was the most important thing is just finding people who, who had already paid the dumb tax, right? Who, who already knew the industry, who could help me, you know, help me figure out the strategy so that I could do what I do best, which is, you know, be the entrepreneur and innovate and connect the dots you know, build the team, kind of get, lay out the strategy, figure out how, you know, the, how the business model will work and how we can get to profitability as fast as possible. And who was your first customer? We followed the, uh, the Keurig model to market. So John, uh, when, when John launched Keurig's consumer business, they launched with William Sonoma. So we went to, uh, to meet with them, you know, with barely a handmade prototype with no name, you know, in the company and no name on the product. Uh, really, and uh, we actually called it the Zoster, uh, just because it was it was not a toaster or something else. We had a meeting with uh, the buyer out in California, and uh, he liked it. And I give him a lot of credit because you know we didn't have much credibility. You know, John certainly opened the door for us, and another gentleman who was also our strategic advisor, George O'Shea. George, you know, also came out of the industry, so we we came in with their credibility. I didn't have any credibility. You know, we we got them to uh, commit. So you got it into William Sonoma stores or website? Yeah. So we uh, we launched in late 2019. I mean, so we met with William Sonoma in the June July of that time frame with a handmade prototype, and they came back to us in late July saying they wanted it in their stores by by Christmas, by the holiday <laughs> season. And um, so you know, we we did have a factory in China. I took a couple trips to China just to understand how to manufacture because that's really where. 99% of, you know, small kitchen appliances are made. And again, another advisor who, who came in as, in the company, you know, kind of, who, knew, who knew the Chinese manufacturing landscape. We, we went around China, you know, looking at factories, uh, you know, that year. And uh, so all of this came together quickly. And we, I mean, it's, it's an amazing feat that we were able to uh, load into their stores by October, November with a UL approved uh, product that was, you uh, that was innovative, like like it is. It's a touchscreen toaster with a whole new heating system that was you know that was patented, and uh, we did and we were pricing it at three hundred dollars. So we we had you know we, we thought the market was 100, 100 people, <laughs> yeah. Right. So we had no idea how how you know how big this market was was going to be for this. And um, William Sonoma was 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 wonderful in the sense that they have such a great brand and they put us on the map and, and they put a lot of marketing behind it. And, it. and you couldn't have asked for a better launch partner. Interesting. Uh, I mean, three hundred dollars is sort of ten times more expensive than an a- an average toaster, right? Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that that is a freaking miracle to you know from June to October to get it sourced, produced, shipped, and onto shelves. I mean, like I said, Ben. I mean, we had people in the company who just knew what they were doing. I I, I can't. You know, I mean, I just can't be thankful enough for the, the people mm-hmm. that we had in the business at the time. And there weren't many, but another partner of mine is, 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 is you know, runs our operations, Dean Duffy. I mean, you know, he came out of Weber Grills. I mean, just understands, 
you know, operations. And Aurelio Reyes, you know, understands Chinese manufacturing and, and Phil Carboni, you know, understands how to engineer, you know, products and been build, you know, heat transfer solutions. I mean, we just had people who were, who were world class, you know, who just knew you know, how to how to do this. I mean, George O'Shea knew new distribution. I mean, I mean, we had un, unbelievable talent, you know, to kind of get to get us through this uh, in, in, in a most, you know, her Herculean thing I've ever, ever been experienced with. So, okay. A year and a half ago, you got it into Williams-Sonoma stores. I'm guessing that internet sales took off during COVID. Yes. Yeah, so, so we, um, you know, we, we, we really sold through their forecast quickly. I mean, it was, uh, we, we didn't know what was going to be True or not true, but we really executed well with Williams-Sonoma as an exclusive partner during the, the fourth quarter of 19. And they had exclusivity all the way through March of 2020, right when COVID hit. So we weren't anywhere but Williams-Sonoma. We had our own website, but nobody really knew who we were. We were able to sell some. We had no brand relevance. And literally when COVID you know, started closing down retail, as we were loading into other stores in March... It was just, you know, a gut punch. I mean, we, we were like, wow, we have all this. Uh, so what, what do we do? So we, we pivoted on the Amazon. We, we didn't mm -hmm. think we were going to do so that, that soon, but we did. And, um, and, and the stores that, you know, closed their brick and mortar work with us to sell through their electronic retail. And that's really how we got through 2020. Amazon and through, you know, com you know like companies like Best Buy and Crate and Barrel and Bed Bath Beyond and Bloomingdale's, Macy's, we were all doing things electronically, selling electronically through them in Williams-Sonoma, of course. So um, it, was, it was a very interesting year, 2020, as it was for everybody. This is your first foray into the world of consumer products, um, you know, retail channels, e-commerce, marketplace websites. Lots of, you know, on the retail, on the brick and mortar side, you know, there's dozens and dozens of different types of retailers, you know, from mom and pop all the way to Walmart. What's been your biggest surprise selling, selling a consumer product in uh, retail and e-commerce? The biggest thing, you know, and this is like what I, what I have a, I have a really a unbelievable appreciation for um, B2C companies who have durable goods because you have got to be great in every facet of this business. I mean, not, not just on the, you know, the sales and marketing side. You have to you know, be phenomenal in the engineering, on the manufacturing, operations, logistics, distribution. I mean, every aspect of this business and finance, I mean, everything has to be just spot on. There's working capital considerations, you know, inventory accounts, receivables that, that you have to manage and, and that could get out of control. Uh, especially, you know, when you're manufacturing in China and you're, you know, right now we're working through all the supply chain issues and the, and the you know, the, you know, the logistics of getting you know, containers over from China to the U.S. Software is different. I mean, you don't have to have, you, you, don't, you don't have working capital. I mean, you operate in, in higher gross margins. You've got, you know, the, of course, the annuity, you know, SaaS business models are, are wonderful, uh, but you're, you're not, you're not dealing with, all of those uh, moving parts that you are in, uh, in durables. And I just have a newfound appreciation for how hard it is. Plus, you know, you've got to get these, you know, four and a half to five star ratings, you know, with consumers, you know, when you're in the B2B software space, you don't, you don't have that pressure. It's an incredible 
well, for me, it was just, it's just been intellectually stimulating learning about it, but I, I have a, I appreciate how hard it is, you know, and, and, and the capital requirements to, uh, to, to build this kind of business, which, you know, you're, you're getting, you, you, you know, as you hit it and you scale are wonderful, mm-hmm. uh, but getting, getting to that point is, uh, is not easy. It's funny. You talk about the complexity and challenge of running a consumer you know, a consumer products business selling to retailers, selling to to e-commerce marketplace websites. That is what I fell in love with, uh, you know, at the beginning of my career. Um, I, I spent the first 10 years of my career as a as a buyer marketing manager for IKEA for Pottery Barn, owned by William-Sonoma. And then the second 10 years as a head merchant or CEO of distributors and manufacturers selling to retailers. And, and and I remember having a conversation with my older brother, who is um, at the time was sort of the European prince of investment banking. We we jokingly called him. He had you know you know an investment banker, pretty high opinion of himself, and he was like, "You're in retail? What? You know that's like simple stuff." And you know I guess he he equated it with cash being a cashier or something. And it it really is a complex business. Which is what I love about it, actually, because it's, you know, I, I think you and I are maybe both gluttons for punishment. We love to learn. We love to, you know, solve complex problems and make them simple, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's intricate. There's no question about it. And, it, and, it, and, and you know, and every day is different. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're under, under your, you know, leadership and Team building and thought process. It sounds like RevCook is off to the races here. What 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 do you see coming? You know, in the next 12, 24 months for RevCook. Well, we have uh, we we've, we've got big plans. You know, huge vision. You know, we we really see ourselves as a relevant brand on the kitchen counter, and all that entails in the future as these homes become connected. It's so hard to get on the kitchen counter. I mean, you're dealing with thousands of other brands, and you know. The fact that if, you know, if we get any of our appliances on a kitchen counter, you know, I, I write thank you notes to our consumers because I know how hard it is and I appreciate that they, uh, they do this for us. You know, that we, you know, they, they thought enough of us to put our brand on, on their kitchen counter that it's very valuable, that, that real estate's very valuable. So, you know, we, we've invented this InstaGlow heating system. It's, it's a platform technology. It's extensible. And, you know, we're not really a toaster company per se. We're a platform technology company around heat transfer. And just so happens heat transfer matters in the cooking space. So, so we're looking at going into other categories there. And, and there may be opportunities to look at heat transfer in other industries that would require, you know, faster, you know, heat, uh, more efficient heat than, you know, incumbent technology. So, so that's sort of how we're looking at it, Benno. Uh, we've got, you know, we've got a, uh, you know, a big agenda, you know, uh, and, um, you know, we're excited because I think, you know, the things that we're building, you know, the brand we're building uh, is aspirational and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a high performance system. So, you know, we're excited about what the future brings here. And my last question is English major. That's not a question yet, but I'm just sitting here thinking people today think of education and, you know, uh, a college education in, in more specific and more applied terms. You know, people are, employers oftentimes are wary of hiring, you know, liberal arts or English majors and are more interested in hiring sort of specialized uh, 
college graduates. What impact, if any, has being an English major had on, on your business career? I think, Benno, I think the singular most important skill you can have in any career, and especially in business, is the ability to communicate. It's the ability to articulate and boil down you know, difficult concepts that are so easy for everybody to understand. Communication levels you know, hit throughout the organization. It's how you speak with customers. It's how you lead your employees. It's how you manage to results. It's how you, you know, how you, how you raise capital and sell to investors and communicate, you know, the returns and communicate, you know, all the results. Communication is the lifeblood of a functioning business. And I cannot understate how important, you know, liberal arts are compared. I mean, STEM is important if you're certainly going to be building rockets. You don't want a poet to build a rocket. But how do you articulate you know, the, the rockets benefit and how do you uh, embolden employees and communicate the vision is, is not so easy if the other side of your brain isn't functioning. So I, I think that there's a hand in glove fit uh, with STEM and liberal arts and it shouldn't be discounted, you know, how important communication is as a, a vital skill set inside of a company. Well put. And I completely agree with you, Tom. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and, and uh, sharing you know, your story and your thoughts and your wisdoms, teaching me about the dumb tax. <laughs> if folks wanted to reach out to you just you know, one-on-one, where is the best place to find your website or email address? Yeah, the, um, our, our website is uh, www.revcook.com. Dot com and my my email is probably the best. It's T K L A F F as in Frank at revcook.com. Terrific. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and thoughts and energy and, and, and sharing your story. Thank you, Benno. Thank you for the opportunity. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, if folks wanted to explore other growth topics, uh, you can find uh, me on our website, realignforresults.com, or just email Benno, B E N N O at realignforresults.com. Thanks and keep growing. You can listen to more episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review it. Share it with your friends or colleagues if you enjoyed the content. Always growing.